do I really need to drive to the doctor's office or do I just need to take a deep breath and fart? (laughs) It's always about farting. You know, nine times out of 10, my pain is coming from a fart. Welcome back, or welcome if this is your first time. Uh, Once again, we are Type A for Anxious, two best friends that get together and talk about stuff that makes us anxious. And I am Josie Savage, and I'm joined by... Me, Dorothy England. (laughs) Hello. Dynamic duo. Woo! That's what I call my boobs. (laughs) I call my butt cheeks. Ooh. (laughs) So we're, we always say this, but we're not healthcare professionals. We're really just here to open that dialogue, make people feel comfortable. And it's like a therapy session for us. So hopefully you enjoy. And I feel like we should say this is our 13th episode, correct? Am I right in that? I think so. I think it's 13. Um, And because it's the thick of the summer and New England summers are so short, we just want to make sure we enjoy them and we just want everyone to enjoy summer. So we are going to take a little break and we're going to call this season one. And we'll be back back after summer for season two. And we'll have some good stuff in store for season two. Maybe we'll even have a couple interviews in season two. I would love that. And you can always still reach out to us on social media. I mean, we always do this at the end too, but if you have any ideas for us, or if you want us to talk about something, let us know. Or if you want to be a guest on season two, let us know. I mean, I like to hear my own voice, but I guess I'll be patient and listen to you. How are you though? How are you? I mean, I know we kind of chatted earlier, but... uh... <laughs> ah, well, we might be buying a new car, so I'm pretty excited. It's been like a crazy, just busy. Everything's up in the air, but then there's good things happening too. So I'm, I'm good. I'm excited. Yay! I'm so excited to have a new car that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that's super- it's big. It's nice. It's a Toyota 4Runner. Ooh. So it's like a big SUV, but it's basically a, just it's basically a, like Todd's truck, but with a cap. Okay, so now you have to come pick me up and then we have to go yes. shopping. Yes, because we can fit so much in there. We can uh, do all of the shopping. Yay. <laughs> How have you been? Um, give everyone an update on Florida. Yes. So I came back this past week from Miami and I did not burn. I'm so proud of myself. My coworkers were so funny because you know I work remotely, so they all see me on Zoom and they're like, wait, you went to Miami? Where's your color? <laughs> I know everyone always says that to me too, because I don't really tan either. But you really don't tan because you stay out of it. I got a little bit of sunshine. Uh, <laughs> it really just looked like I maybe had like a little rash. <laughs> it's like little specklings of color, but really I'm quite fair skinned, but it was, it was really fun. It was very humid. I think I took at least three showers every single day. Oh, the humidity was intense. And the funniest part I think was that, <laughs> uh, there's, there's these, they call them city bikes. And so you can rent a bike and just ride around and everything. And some of the bikes are great. You mm-hmm. feel like a superstar. And some are not so great. They've uh, been kind of destroyed. And so I was on a bike. <laughs> so get this. So oh, Paul, you had a bike story last week too. I know. <laughs> no, but this was 
So I went on a bike ride with Paul. And so we're biking and everything. And I get on and I'm like, something is really weird with this bike. And it's just like making this noise. And I'm like, what is going on? And Paul is just flying, soaring ahead of me. And I'm like, I didn't think I was this bad at biking. And we start to go up a hill and my bike just was not, it wasn't letting me move at all. And so we're in a Jewish Orthodox or an Orthodox Jewish community on a Saturday. So it's filled with people. And Paul is like oh. way ahead of me. And I'm just like, fuck, I can't catch up. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> this and is basically your story that you told me last week. Well, okay, we find, and so Paul comes back. He finally hears me and he, we switch bikes and he's like, oh, you got a really flat tire in the front. Oh my God. And so then he, and I get on his bike and I just fly. And I'm like, this is so nice. And I turn around and he's like, it was literally like a triangle shaped bikes or bike wheel on a bicycle. Oh. So could you bring it back and get your money back or? Uh, I think so. I think it was like something like if you brought it back within a half hour, you didn't get charged. So, but I was so angry. And then the worst part too, is that, you know, there's all this traffic and there's all these Jewish families coming out of the synagogue, you know, cause it's like the middle of the day. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, I can't do anything. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> looking at you. And I'm like sweating. I literally sweat so much. Like, I don't think I needed any hairstyling cause my hair, like the sweat it was gross. I also need to tell our audience that this girl right now is drinking wine, but just drinking out of the bottle. <laughs> I'm saving a glass. It's like, oh you know, gosh. ride a cowboy, save a horse or save. So you reuse your glasses. Yeah. So drink a bottle, save oh, a glass. You're saving water so that you don't have to wash the glass. Exactly. I'm being environmental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am drinking these delicious hard seltzers and they're called it's by crook and marker they are so good so this time around we are talking about something that I think I've struggled with my entire life we're talking about anxiety with health issues so basically seeing a blister and thinking that you're going to have an infection and that it's going to go to your heart and then you will die so basically Dorothy that your uh, your appendix (laughs) is going to burst I know so much about the appendix also called hypochondria. Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic said that. Oh, all right. Well, why don't you dive in? You've already got some information. Okay. Well, basically this kind of anxiety disorder, I mean, it happens to a lot of people. I know for me, I think I've had hypochondria since I was a child because I always used to look in medical books or those people that WebMD everything. And all of a sudden, you know, you have an aneurysm, but it's really just a head cold. It's basically a generalized anxiety disorder, but more focused on medical conditions and physical sensations are triggers of your anxiety. So Mm. I thought that was really interesting because people get anxiety on so many things and this is just a form focused on that one piece. Right. And I think it's a real, I think it's a scary thing because medical problems are really scary anyway. So I, as somebody who will feel sick, I 
do this, I'll be like, oh, I need to look this up. I need to look this up. And all of a sudden I think the worst. It just, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is one piece of anxiety where you just constantly think, go to the extreme, at least for me. Yeah. I think for myself, I almost do it where, so I love to read. We both love to read or, you know, watch television, watch movies. And sometimes something will happen to a a character. I remember one time I read about this woman who, uh, it was a novel, but she turned her head in traffic, you know, to look behind her shoulder. And all of a sudden she had an aneurysm and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So then I'm driving and I'm like, oh my God, I can't turn. I'm going to have an aneurysm. It's like, I take a situation and, and granted the woman in this book was elderly and didn't exercise and you know it's like but I I just take the bad part and I'm like that's gonna happen to me and I don't think of the yes. logical the logical reasoning of why it wouldn't happen to me or the stats on how likely is that to happen because you're probably much more like actually I think I could say this certainly without data that you're more likely to get into a car accident than have an aneurysm I can believe you think that's that. true yeah, I believe happen all the time, all the time to everybody. Right. But aneurysms, I mean, they happen all the time, but I don't think as much as car accidents. Nobody quote me on that, but that's, <laughs> that's my wisdom. This article also went on to just talk about the symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would just kind of run through some of those. Obviously being preoccupied of having or getting a serious disease, worrying that minor symptoms or small bodily sensations that are out of the ordinary mean that you have an illness being easily alarmed about health topics, finding little or no reassurance when a doctor says that you are healthy or you have negative results, you don't believe them. Worrying excessively about your own health and what runs in your family and having so much distress about it that it actually gets hard for you to function. Maybe you avoid people, places, or activities because you're afraid of health risks, which this is a tough year for that. You know, if you, This past year, if you had hypochondria, I can't even imagine if you've had it severely, how this must have felt going through a pandemic, because that's not just a normal circumstance that takes it to another level where you're people who aren't normally scared are scared. So then the people who were already scared, I wonder how they felt. That's a really good point. I think for myself personally, I almost felt like the pandemic, I wasn't even so much afraid of that because I didn't really know too many people who were diagnosed with the coronavirus. And I believe that it's real, but it kind of, it felt surreal. But of the things that you were talking about, uh, I definitely do it where sometimes small things, like small symptoms, in my mind, they will escalate to something bigger. Or I worry that if it's untreated, I'm like, oh my God, what will this lead to? That's like probably my biggest concern. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I know I think all the time because cancer has skin cancer runs in my family or oh, a couple cancers, but skin cancer, my mom has had a couple times. So every mm-hmm. time I see a mole, I start immediately freaking out. And I've been to a dermatologist a couple of times to look at them. I've been to one a couple of times and they're like, you're, you're fine. You don't have to worry so much. You're young. You don't tan. And I'm like, but, but this mole wasn't here yesterday. And they're like, it's a dot. It's a tiny dot. And it's perfectly <laughs> round. You're fine. <laughs> So one of my things is that, and I've talked about this before, is that anytime I have any sort of pain in my stomach, I immediately think it's my appendix. I always think that I'm going to die from any sort of pain in my stomach. 
And then of and course- it's been I, since you were young. Well, and I think for myself, it was some sort of, I remember my dad's appendix burst and that was the first time mm-hmm. I remember ever hearing my dad cry or my dad be in pain. Like my dad was in such a vulnerable state when his appendix burst. And so I think mm-hmm. it's also like this like trigger fear, you know, but I've had it before where literally I'm like, oh, it's going to burst. It's going to burst. And then I fart and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> How like, do we always end up talking about farts? Because we're gas enlaces, <laughs> gas enlaces. <laughs> You know what you just reminded me of too? Did you ever see, it came out when we were young, the movie Madeline? Oh yeah, her appendix burst, the girl with the it tiger. Start, it starts out with that. So mm. no wonder we're afraid of that. Like I remember that vividly. It starts out mm. with her like feverish and freaking out and her appendix burst. You're right. You know what? That's what I think of every time I think of appendix. And we need to write a letter. I think that's where it started. They, that Madeline gave us PTSD. Dear Madeline, you crossed the line. <laughs> the movie starts out like that, I think. It's very scarring when you're a child. You're right. I never even thought about that. Mm-hmm. But I also have it sometimes where I will be like, oh my God, I have a cut. And I'll watch the cut really closely. Like, as I said, I was in Florida and I wore heels that were beautiful, but you know, in the heat and the humidity, I got some blisters. Not practical. <laughs> Not practical at all. I got some blisters. And so now I'm like, oh my God, my blisters hurt so much. Oh my God, what if they get infected? Oh my God, what if I lose a toe? And it's a blister. I mean, yes, I'm not trying to downplay that those things happen. They definitely do. But the likelihood of them happening isn't really high. Right. Especially with all the medical technology we have these days. Right. That's true. Like if anything ever happened, you'll probably be okay. So I wanted to ask you, so do you think that you're the kind of person who worries excessively and goes to the doctor to get confirmation that you are okay? Or are you the kind of person who worries excessively, but is afraid to go to the doctor for confirmation? I go to the doctor for confirmation. Like I go too much. Yeah. Like I go for nothing and thank goodness I have good health insurance, but I go for nothing. And they're like, you're fine. I'm still, I'm on a payment plan and I'm still, I I know I'm over a thousand dollars in debt to the medical system, to the hospital. And Uh, so we all are. (laughs) I I am too, because of my broken leg. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Even with health insurance. That reminds me of something that I used to be super anxious about medically. Mm. I feel like when I was younger, like just starting to have sexual intercourse with men, the few that there's been, unfortunately, (laughs) I remember people putting the fear of STDs in me so much that Mm. I was convinced I must have AIDS. I was like, I've slept with three people. I must have AIDS because that's just a lot of people. And it seems like AIDS is common because I just kept hearing people be like, careful. And I was so worried about it that I kept, I went to get tested and I told them when I got there, I was like, I'm pretty sure I have this. And they're like, why? And I was like, because I heard it's common and I had sex with three people this year. And they were like, it's not that common, especially around here. Like we're in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. You could probably sleep with a tree more often than you could sleep with a human. Yeah. Like anyway, I was so scared. And then I remember like I've gotten tested for that about three times because I was so stressed out about it. And obviously Aww. every time it was negative. Now that I'm married, this isn't a huge fear of mine. But before I was married, contracting an STD was a huge fear. And I don't even think it was just because of 
it was any STD, but I think it was also just because of what people would think of me if that unfortunately happened. That's a really good point too, talking about that stigma associated with certain illnesses. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, it's devastating and it's detrimental too. And Mm -hmm. it can hurt, it can affect you in many ways. And so I think that's a really good point to think about that a lot of people do worry about, you know, the perception of an illness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that that goes with a lot of illnesses. You're probably embarrassed to say you have, you know, really bad arthritis or diabetes. That's so common, but I'm sure people still get embarrassed that they have it because they feel like it's unfortunate. And well, and I think it's something that we have to talk about. I also was reading this article really quick that was talking about how a lot of times people just have anxiety about problems. And what Mm -hmm. the anxiety can do is that it can translate into some sort of physical ailment. But really at the core of the problem, it's anxiety. And I experienced that. So my anxiety translated into an overactive bladder syndrome where my bladder, it literally was like a doorbell where it was like, you got to go, you got to go, ding dong, ding dong. And I didn't have to go. And I remember it's kind of an uncomfortable thing to talk about because no one really talks about going pee or, you know, or people who might have explosive diarrhea. Like it's funny to think, oh, explosive diarrhea. But if you actually think about having something like that, that sounds super uncomfortable. Yeah. And sometimes anxiety, I know for me, speaking of diarrhea, for me, my anxiety, I hold it all in my belly. Mm. And when I have high anxiety, I do have diarrhea. Like that's how it, that's how it, translates translates yeah and it is embarrassing and it's I'm just I'm like why does this happen to me but that's just how it does and yours is the pee mine's the poop and so I think that's something I think just like opening that dialogue and making sure that people know that they're not alone you know our bodies react Mm -hmm. in very interesting ways and there are sympathetic I want to say there's like neural connections to your gut and your brain. And so when you're experiencing anxiety, your body's going to react. But I wanted to also talk about something too, that um, I was reading this Harvard article that was saying that roughly 12% of people deal with a health anxiety disorder. And that's not anxiety necessarily, but it's anxiety about health problems. Like it's mm. not just anxiety. They but don't have a- generalized anxiety. They have it focused toward. So it's, it's like hypochondria, like I was saying in the beginning, right? Right. And they were also mm-hmm. saying, I thought this, this was really interesting too, that it affects men and women equally. And the thing is that a lot of people don't actually talk about it because they're, they're afraid that they won't be believed. Mm. And I thought that that was really interesting too, because it's like, they just are so frantic about it. And it feels as though they don't really have a clear way to describe it. They just think that something is wrong with them. So when they go to the doctors, they're like, I just don't feel right. And they don't really have a clear way of explaining it. And then they're embarrassed to tell their friends or their family, oh, I just don't feel right. You know, because I've had that before where if I don't know how to clearly, what's the Articulate. Yeah. If I don't know how to clearly articulate myself, I feel like an idiot and I feel like no one's going to believe me. Yeah, for sure. I, I honestly feel like that when I try to talk about my anxiety in general, because I have generalized anxiety like diagnosed. And sometimes I'll feel something when somebody asks me, you know, wh- why do you feel that way? I honestly have no idea and I can't articulate where it's coming from. It's really hard to kind of dive into that. And that's embarrassing. You're like, oh, I feel terrible. I don't know where this is coming from. And sometimes you're having a panic attack, Mm. which are embarrassing. You don't know where it's coming from. So 
And then yeah. sometimes if people don't understand what you're saying, you feel as though they don't believe you. So then it feels mm -hmm. as though you're being dramatic, which I've had before. I'm just like, I just don't feel okay. And it's yeah. like, I don't know how and to, yeah. I think some people say, don't be dramatic or, you know, I've had people say, oh, I think you're being dramatic or over, overthinking this or whatever. And I'm like, that doesn't make me feel better. That just makes me feel like I'm, I'm not validated that my feelings aren't validated. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's really important. You know, we always promote this, you know, get the help that you need. And I've had it before where I've been like, okay, like something is not right. You know, if it's a consistent thing and if it's not really, I would say if it's not really promoted by anything, like if you're just like, you know what, something just doesn't feel right. There's nothing wrong with going to a doctor. That's not what the problem is. I think what, what can be troublesome or what can be expensive or time consuming or energy consuming is when you think that there, there's always something wrong, but you also think that there's always something different that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. That's a good point. So it's and not just the same thing every time. Right. Like I, I think that a lot of people who struggle with health anxiety are kind of, their ears are always ready to latch onto like the latest weird medical problem and be like, well, what if I have that? And, oh, I've been itching here. Could that be a symptom of this weird medical problem? You know? And I mean, think about how much energy and time that you're putting into just thinking that, you know what I mean? And it's definitely yeah. easier said than done. I'm not trying to, like, I will be the first to say, you know, I will read something and I'll be like, do I have that problem? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of it. I, I think it can go. Sometimes you read something about physical ailments and you think you have it. I will also read something about a mental ailment and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm positive. That's me. You know, that's, that's me. I have that, but I haven't talked to a professional. I'm just like, I have that. I know I have it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it is important to, to note that having a good relationship with your primary care physician or with a counselor is important. And I say having a good relationship, like having open communication with them, if you can, because you want to make sure that you can trust them. And I think if you have a doctor that you don't know, don't trust, that probably is hard when you feel this way all the time versus if you have a primary care physician that you have a established long-term relationship with that knows you. You want to have the kind of doctor who you feel comfortable sending stool samples to. Yes. Are you okay sending them your poop? You want to find one of those. Yeah. I and for me, I need, an, like, I go by energy a lot, how I feel. And mm. I've changed doctors just simply because I just didn't feel a good energy in the room with them. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we're not really connecting. I just don't feel it. So I've changed and then love the next one. So I think it's okay to take it up on yourself too. Like the same with therapists, find one that works for you, Definitely. especially if you're dealing with something like this and don't be afraid to go get help. Why do you think that people try to put these medical conditions on like why do you think that people think that they might have issues even mm. if they they don't I don't know um I'm sure it's different for everybody I think for me a lot of my fear came from seeing other people that it impacted and thinking oh if that ever happened to me I don't think I could handle it as well as they are so then I get nervous if it happened to them it might happen to me and I don't think I can handle that yeah, I think sometimes too, I think, because our body is a weird thing. Like, 
Sometimes you just don't feel good. Sometimes you just don't sleep well. Sometimes you're just not high functioning. And it could be a lot of different things. It could be like, I know this past week I've been feeling really tired. Well, a couple of things. I just came back from a vacation and there's also there's lots of sunshine. Exactly. And I also, there's a lot of pollen. And so logically it's like, oh yeah, there's a reason for that. And I think sometimes if you have a reason and you're like, okay, that's manageable, Mm -hmm. That makes it easier to get by. But sometimes I think the other thing too is if you don't know why something is happening and your mind starts to explore all these different conditions, I think sometimes it's like, it's almost trying to pop a balloon. You know, like you think of like being at a carnival and you're trying to throw a dart at a balloon. We'll say that there's like a ton of balloons and it's like, you don't know which one you're trying to aim for. It could be, you know what I mean? Like, I feel as though sometimes people think that it could be this or it could be that and your mind just gets so overwhelmed and you're just stunned by all the different possibilities. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so true. I mean, it's overwhelming. It's all overwhelming. Anxiety is overwhelming. And you have a good point. Like the body is a crazy thing. and, And the mind is so powerful that once you get, I think at least for me, once I get something in my head, it just takes over. So if I start thinking to myself over and over again, this must be something bad. This must be something bad. Then it's almost like I start tricking myself into feeling worse. Physically. I really want to talk about too, how anxiety can affect you physically, because that's my life story. Like one of my real life stories, because like I said, I had this bladder condition and for like my doctor was, you know, she had said, oh, maybe it's anxiety. And I was so adamant that it was not anxiety. I was like, no, it's not anxiety. It's not all in my mind because I didn't understand that there could be a connection between what's going on in your mind and then translate to something physical. Now, when it happened, were you under more stress than normal or did you feel like there were things you were anxious about? Oh my gosh. I was going back to school. I was also working 30 hours a week and I was commuting an hour every day, pretty much like six days of the week. I was commuting an hour and I was the news editor for the school's newspaper. And that's when this happened. And so I I, remember that you were so busy. I hardly got to talk to you like the, during that time period, because you were just everywhere. And I was, I think that's the busiest I've ever been in my entire life. And of course I'm like, I'm not anxious. I'm fine. But what happened is my bladder condition prevented me from sleeping well. So then it's this vicious cycle where I was not sleeping and I was getting more and more anxious and more distraught. I remember I had ear infections and every time I got sick, it was to the 10th. Like I, I've gotten sick a few times so you, before this, if I got sick, it'd last maybe two days. I was getting sick for like a week or more when this is happening. And then finally I was like, okay, like I've tried everything. Like I've tried blood tests. I've tried stool tests. I've tried giving up, you know, trying certain diets, you know, giving up lactose, giving up sugar, giving up gluten and Mm -hmm. nothing, nothing was working. And so finally I was like, okay. Didn't you think it was, didn't you think at first it had something to do with your creams and stuff? I remember that. Yeah. I thought that I was sensitive to this chemical called propylene glycol, which is, um, basically it's like a solvent and it's a preservative and everything. And so, and I was sensitive to it because my anxiety had gotten so bad. It basically was like my anxiety had weakened my immune system, but I was so reluctant to believe that. And so then finally, finally I was like, okay, I guess I'll try anxiety medication. And it took a while to get on the right anxiety medication. 
And then I was like, I don't know if it's going to do anything because it took about two weeks for it to finally work. And then I started sleeping better. My bladder calmed down and everything went back to normal. And I think also the medication along with, I think you have a better work-life balance now. That's a really good point. Because I think Americans, especially, and I've heard that East Coast, where we are, is even more like this, but I've heard that we don't really focus on work-life balance as much as we focus on making money. And that can be a very stressful thing. And I think it's, it's very important to remember that it's okay to just take time to do nothing. You know, it's really interesting to think about. It's almost like the less time that you have to think about problems, the more you actually think about problems. The less time that you allow yourself to think about them, the more they seep through. Yeah. And I also think you can stress yourself out. Like sometimes I notice I'll keep myself busy to avoid thinking of problems. But then what that does is it just, like you said, the problems are still in my head, but then I'm also stressed because I'm making myself too busy. And then it's just like an explosion when maybe I should have just taken some time to do nothing and just like relax and meditate and think. And then just taking care of your body and just giving yourself a break is so much more important than maybe we prioritize it. Definitely. I also wanted to talk a little bit about too, when people don't feel like they have enough time to go to the doctor's office and instead they start. I hear that all the time. So I work right now for a a healthcare administration company and I've heard Mm. from coworkers that people say they don't have time to do, you know, ABC. So instead people turn to Dr. Google. WebMD. WebMD. So I don't know, Josie, if you ever do this, if you ever like, oh, probably <laughs> I definitely sometimes like I've definitely had a late at night where I'm like something wrong with me. I'm going to Google it. And then I go down this wormhole and I'm like, I think I have this disease that I don't even know how to pronounce. Yes. And you know what? I think it is also along the thing of talking about it, people who don't have time it is hard because I think sometimes people avoid going to the doctor because of the expense too. Not everybody has great insurance. And so sometimes if you are struggling with anxiety about medical condition or um, AKA hypochondria, I'm sure if you don't have health insurance, that is terrible. That's so hard. Yeah. So Josie, do you ever Google your symptoms? Every single time. (laughs) And I get, 80 different possibilities and whatever the worst one is, that's the one I think I have. So I was reading this article and it actually made me feel really good about myself. So there's a study conducted by eligibility.com, which I don't know, it kind of sounds more like a dating website, whatever. So the study said that 89% of patients nationwide, which means like nationwide is all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, never mind. Paul just told me. (laughs) nationwide all over the United States that was amazing I heard him say that from here no all over the nation so I have a smart husband so anyways and I was just going I was just agreeing with you I was like yeah yes that is nationwide well I think of all I mean isn't there (laughs) the kingdom of nations like the United Kingdom they're all a nation Anyways, anyway, nationwide, 89% of patients nationwide will Google their health symptoms before they go to their doctor. 89%. 
Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's so I wonder if that's like, are they all super anxious about it or do they just not trust their doctor? Well, so I was reading that they, the reason why the most common reason was that people wanted to know the severity of their issue before they went to a doctor. Mm. And this physician assistant, her name was Kim Martin. She was saying that what this does is that sometimes, yes, it can be helpful. It can give you more to think about, or it could give you validation, but mostly it causes anxiety. Mm. And she was saying that oftentimes she has patients who come in and they're like, oh my God, I think that I have cancer. And she's like, no, this isn't cancer. It's an ingrown hair. (laughs) And so (laughs) those can be really bad. They can be really painful, but I've definitely had that before too. Like I will be like, oh my God, I have this pain in my left breast and it shoots from my armpit to my nipple and it keeps happening every month. And my doctor's like, that's probably your period. It's hormones. (laughs) Every month I have cramps. Am I dying? (laughs) You are a young woman. So it was just interesting to think about too, but it made me feel better that I'm not alone in this fear. So I don't know about I like you, that. Yeah. If you're feeling this, you're not alone. And so, but she did say that, you know, if you do go to sites, you know, say you make a doctor's appointment and your doctor's appointment is next week. She said that there's nothing wrong necessarily with checking sites. She was saying, so this woman, Kim Martin was saying that, you know, she says that WebMD or the Mayo Clinic, usually those are the ones that do give good information, but she was saying that you shouldn't depend on one website for all of your information. You should try to check around and see that if there's a commonality. And she said that really what you should be doing is say you go to the doctors and they do give you a diagnosis or they give you a reason for whatever's going on with you. Then after that, that's when you should start going online and trying to find online support or see what's helped other people and talk to your doctor, see if that's something good for you. But really, you should wait until after you've talked to your doctor because everyone is individual and everyone has different life experiences, has different sensitivities. And so I thought that that was really, I thought that was a really good take on it. Instead of being like, no, don't do Dr. Google. It's like, okay, maybe do Google afterwards. I like that. I think that's really good feedback. It's not bad to do it. It's just, you still want to make sure you get your doctor their input. And then she also said that for what she's found are the top three conditions that people come in and that they're like, oh my God, I think something terrible is wrong with me. Usually what they're dealing with is either fatigue, weight gain, or sleep issues. And so I thought that was really interesting because you think about, like, I know for myself, if I'm not sleeping well, everything feels terrible. I might have a headache, I might have a stomach ache, or say I've gained some weight and I'm like, my knees are hurting. You know, I think I have bursitis or arthritis. And really it's just, you've gained some weight. You have extra weight on your knees. And so you just walked a lot. (laughs) Or you just walked a lot, or you biked on a flat tire. (laughs) Honestly, for me, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm just trash. Like uh, my mentally and physically trash. And that is, I think, number one, I need to get enough sleep, drink water, and eat vegetables. You know, I just realized that raccoons, they look like they don't sleep well because they have the dark eyes and they love trash. So basically when you don't sleep, you become a raccoon. Yes. Confirmed. I like that. <laughs> yes. yes. I am a raccoon. I feel like that today. <laughs> oh, thanks for making the effort to be here. <laughs> you could look at my raccoon eyes. So I also read this Forbes article, or I read this Forbes article that talked about placebos. Mm -hmm. 
And there was a Stanford University study where they basically performed this experiment. And so it was all about exercise and it was about endurance. And so what they did is prior to their experiment, they did genetic testing on all of the individuals or all of the, all of the participants. They did genetic testing on all of the participants. And some people actually do have a gene that will actually make you more tired. And so hmm. what they did is they told people, you know, this is what we're testing. We're gonna test your endurance and everything. And then they also, before they did the experiment, they had people run on a treadmill and just see where their endurance levels were at naturally. And then what they did is they split this group into two and they told one group, they were like, okay, yes, you have the gene where you are more tired. And then they told the other group, you don't have that gene, like your exhaustion is not affected at all. And what they found is that the people who, even if they actually did not have the gene that made them more tired, if they were told that they had the gene, they did a lot worse the second time around that they ran on the treadmill. So say someone ran on the treadmill and they hadn't been told anything about their genetics and they did mm -hmm. great and everything and they were breathing effectively. If afterwards they've been told, you know what, you actually have a gene that makes you tire more easily then the second time around, they did a lot worse. I am like that. If somebody tells me I have something, I'm like, oh yes, you're right. I feel, I feel that. And then alternatively for the groups who are told, you know, you're not affected at all. Like actually you're in great health. Those people did way better. So say someone had run and they were just like, yeah, whatever. If they'd been told like, oh, your endurance is fine. They actually ended up running longer. And so what this study proved is that if somebody that you believe and that you trust and is that, you know, say they're a medical professional and they tell you, oh, you have this gene that makes you more exhausted or if they tell you your endurance is great, that can affect your physiological response. And so basically they were saying that whatever your mindset is, that can change how you react physically. And so I thought that was really interesting because I know for myself, when I exercise, say I'm like, oh, this is really hard. I'm really struggling. I hate exercise. I will do way worse than if I'm like, yeah, you got this, keep pushing. You know, like you're a badass. The mindset is so powerful. I think that goes with everything. Just even if you're upset about something, if you're like, I'm terrible, I'm, I'm so bad at this, I'm dumb or whatever, then you just struggle more with something versus if you're upset about something and you say, I've got this, I'm powerful, I know what I'm doing, I can handle this by myself. I think the mindset is so powerful. And I've had it before too, where, where if I am experiencing some sort of pain, I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to breathe. And like, I'm able to like, take this moment mm -hmm. to myself to just be like, okay, just breathe. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah. that simple action that will decrease the pain and it will decrease the intensity, decrease my anxiety about it. Yeah. And it's so interesting because it's like, I'm not taking a pill. I'm not going to a doctor. I'm not Googling anything. I'm literally just breathing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that's why they have stuff like hypnobirthing and just mm. all kinds of, you know, meditation stuff to help people through mental and physical things because right. the brain is so powerful and it's just so important to just take some time, breathe and try to, as much as you can, not think yourself deeper into a hole. That's so true. So I just, I don't know. I think that there. I don't want to say, you know, if you have some sort of debilitating illness, you know, like that's really sad. And 
you know, from the bottom oh, so of hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the, from, from the bottom of our hearts, like we hope that you are able to find treatment and to find help and support and everything. And we're not trying to say, you know, just think it away because obviously that is not the cure. No. I mean, obviously, no. yes, having a good mindset can help, but medication, we have medication for a reason, you know? But if you're one of those people who's like, oh my God, I think I have this illness. My foot is hurting and I don't know what's wrong with me. And what if it means- And, and your something- doctor's saying, no, no. Yeah, just take a deep breath and really try to connect with yourself. I think that that's really a big thing Mm -hmm. is that your body isn't separate from you. Mm -hmm. You still have control over how you can react to things. Mm -hmm. So that's just, I I don't know, that's something that I know that I need as a reminder is just being like, okay, do I really need to drive to the doctor's office or do I just need to take a deep breath and fart? (laughs) It's always about (laughs) farting. You know, nine times out of 10, my pain is coming from a fart. Yes, it gets you. It gets you. And I don't think, I don't think we're alone in that. If you got a tootie booty, let us know. Let's break the stigma on farting. (laughs) If there was ever a second coming of Monday, it's right now. Right? (laughs) Oh my God, Josie, this is hard. (laughs) And now it's time to share what's helping us get through the week. What's offering us comfort, distraction, laughter, and all of the above? It's time for... It's time for... Recommendations and Observations! Recommendations! Observations! So I'm actually this, this week going to go with what I talked about in the beginning because I'm really enjoying it that much. It's summer and... When summer comes and I spend time outside camping, going to the beach, whatever, I like to have a little light alcoholic beverage and I want it to be refreshing. I want to feel like it's hydrating, even if it isn't. And um, I used to really not like hard seltzers. Now I kind of like them for the, especially for summer. And I tried this one. The brand is called Crook and Marker and it's made with organic alcohol, no sugar, And they just have really unique flavors like strawberry lemon, tropical coconut, and they have little margarita ones, they've got peach mango, and it's just so yummy. And I like it a little sweet, but not too sweet. And I think it hits that perfectly. So Crook and Marker, iced beverages, hard seltzers, those are my recommendation this week. I love that. What about yours? Yum. My recommendation is one of my favorite shows that I've been watching lately. Uh, I'm on the fifth season. And so, which is really sad. I wish that I was just hearing about it. It's that good. (laughs) Oh my, what is it? It's called Working Moms and it's on Netflix. I binged that already. Oh, oh, you did? So long ago. Well, there's a new season. There's a new season on Netflix. When did it come out? Like literally two days ago. Oh, Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, I haven't seen the new. Oh, I like working moms. I watched that like last year, two years ago. Oh, it is so good. It's so. Oh, I can't wait to see the new season. I I'll probably finish it in three days. And so we've talked about it before. Neither Josie or I are moms, which just goes to tell how good the show is. It's just hilarious and it's relatable. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, I literally have fallen off my chair laughing at this show. I think this show is so funny, no matter what age or gender you are, because Todd has watched it with me. He likes it. And whether you have kids or not, it's just so funny. And they deal with other things too, that aren't just, you know, 
being a mom, but like, you know, work in general, friendship things. It's so good. I forgot about that show. I'm <laughs> so happy you recommended that. So yeah, so if you don't know. I'm going to go drink my crook and marker, hard seltzers and watch working moms. Yes, fifth season out on Netflix now. You heard it first here on yes. Taipei for Anxious. Yes. So we just want to remind you all that, again, this is our last episode of the season because, you know, we have a life outside of this podcast, but you can still follow us on Instagram and maybe we'll have a few surprise gems coming out. Yeah. But um, yeah, again, we are Type A for Anxious and we are on Instagram and we're on Facebook and you can email us at typeaforanxious at gmail.com. My name is Dorothy England. And I am Josie Savage. We can't wait to see you in season two after the break. Woo! Enjoy your summers. Enjoy your summers. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Nationwide is all over the world, right? No. Oh, never mind. Paul just no. told me. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> yes. <laughs> Nationwide. Do you have anxiety or something you're currently struggling with? Send us an email if you'd like to share, anonymously or not. You can always reach out to us at typeaforanxious at gmail.com or give us a follow on Instagram. We might just have some advice or a similar experience to share. Remember, sharing is caring and we're here to listen and validate. This has been a Living Room production, supported by our patient husbands and our furry friends, supplemented by wine and snacks. The views represented in this show do not reflect the companies that we work for. These are our own opinions. But thank you for listening, and until next time, love your type A girls, Dorothy and Josie. Hey listeners, this is Dorothy popping in your ears for a thirsty moment. If you've enjoyed this season of Taipei for Anxious, let us know. We've put a link in the show notes to make it easier. This helps other anxious people find our show and hopefully help and humor them as well. Thanks so much for your support, and we'll see you next season. Cheers! <laughs>